Are you a sex worker looking to build a new website or a website redesign? Then you'll want to consider Fox Digital. They did a fantastic job designing my website, Stripped by Sia. If you want your website done, mention that you're a listener of the show at foxdigital.design for 20% off. Tell them I sent you. Welcome back to another episode of Stripped by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia, aka Kimchi on stage. You can actually catch me on stage. I know I've been saying, I'm taking a break, I'm taking a break. I'm finally back on stage um, the week of January 24 to 28. I'll be back at Shaker's Show Lounge in Surrey. So that's just in a couple weeks. So if you want to come hang out, come talk to me about the show, which some of you lovely people have done, I would love that. Um, or take me for a private dance, whatever you want to do. I will be there, um, otherwise known as Kimchi on the stage. And um, yeah, I am a dancer, I am a content creator, and I was also a former sugar baby for a number of years. And I started the show uh, three years ago um, just because I wanted to, I don't know, provide a real perspective on what actually we go through as sex workers uh, with an aim to destigmatize sex work. So every week I bring on to the show a different guest that can tell us a little about their uh, corner and their life in, in sex work um, from different aspects and um just the work that they do, the behind the scenes that we often don't get to see a lot of the times. So that's just a little bit about me, a little bit about the show. Um, I just wanted to pop in here and uh, I guess by the time this episode comes out, well, uh, I'll be at the AVNs <laughs> and we'll see if I won. Um, <laughs> favorite adult podcast, we'll see. But I just wanted to come on here and say thank you for to everyone who had voted for me. Um, it's really, truly an honor. Uh, I didn't really expect to be nominated, so thank you. And at the time of recording, it's just before Christmas. Um, I'm really excited to just take a little bit of a break um, before we kind of get back into things. But I just wanted to also extend my thanks to all the paying Patreon subscribers. We've got some new people in here. I just wanted to say hello. Um, hello to Earl Kwan, um, Marty Lang. We uh, both are on the top tier who had just joined. We've got our regulars here. We got Snoo Snoo from Germany, Justin Erickson from the USA, Jay Sincern from my area of the world, which is Canada. Uh, and Selena Money, as well as Ted McGuire. Thank you so much for subscribing and becoming a patron. Um, if you're interested in that, uh, all the fun perks you get to see behind the scenes, um, some lots of video exclusive content on there. I'm going to be debuting full content um, there quite soon. I'm just going to test that out to see how it goes. Pop on there. It's patreon.com slash stripped by Sia. And you can see all the fun things that are on there. My bonus episodes, little things behind the scenes, me at the AVNs, et cetera, et cetera. Go check that out. Um, your help um, really supports my website <laughs> and also some fun events like the AVNs that I can now attend thanks to some of the funding that you guys have done. So thank you. And last uh, couple things here, skyhawkafterdarktv.com. It is a 
adult videocast and podcast network that I'm a part of. Just wanted to give them a shout out. There's lots of uh, similar podcasts and videocasts that other creators and lots of guests that you have maybe heard on the show that are also producing great content on there. Please go check it out. It's skyhawkafterdark.com. Sorry, skyhawkafterdarktv.com. And last but not least, special thanks to my sponsor, Fox Digital, who made my lovely website. Um, Go peep Anthony if you are in need of a website or a website redesign. It is foxdigital.design for 20% off. Okay, we got this under four minutes. Hello. Um, (laughs) I am talking. uh, It's 7 o'clock in the morning recording, and I have not warmed up my voice, but um, it's okay. It's the holidays. I can do whatever I want, and I'm really excited to have this week's guest um, and her cat on (laughs) the show if you're watching on Patreon. I'm super excited to bring on goddess alexandra snow onto the show this morning today whenever you're listening um and her cat pandora who's super lovely and all the cat cuddles that i'm seeing right now um i'm really stoked to chat with her today um about her documentary wicked eden also some really fun projects she's working on her brand new studio that is opening that I'm really excited to talk about. And also because we really haven't had an episode in a long time actually about uh, female domination. So we'll talk about some of the basics there too because it has been quite a while. But I'm really stoked to bring Alex onto the show. Um, Gosh. And shout out to Carly. She's like, you got to get her out on the show. She's going to be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I've given Carly so many shout outs here (laughs) for PS group, but um, a warm welcome to Alex. Hello. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on and thank you again for taking time out of your day amidst all the holiday craziness, snowstorms, ice storms, Whatever is happening. No, no worries. This is this is a lot more fun than other things I could currently be doing. <laughs> so. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas shopping, have to do later. I'm one of those people. Um, <laughs> really excited to have you on. And for those who may or may not be familiar with Alex's work, um, she is a multi-award winning dominatrix with over 15 years or more. 17. 17 now. Okay. I'm sorry. 17 years of experience in female domination. Um, gosh, she is one of the leading dominatrixes in the industry, I would say. I just feel like I had so much love coming from other fellow doms on Twitter and also on Instagram. They're like, oh my gosh, no way. Oh, she's amazing. I love her. <laughs> And lots of those types of, types of comments. So I'm really excited to have a conversation with you today and to shoot the shit. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I am I am a professional dominatrix, um, but I am also a um, I'm a, a fetish media producer, and I'm, I've been a fetish media producer for about oh, I want to say 11, 11, 12 years, something like that. Um, uh, I'm a dungeon owner. Um, I'm an educator. I do a lot of education work for for sex workers. I do education work as well for um, for uh, lifestylers and, and vanilla folks and women who are looking to step into their, you know, into their power and stuff like this. But my, my real passion is in helping uh, sex workers make more money and, you know, take over the world. Um, and I do some political activism stuff, but I wouldn't call that a job. It's more like the thing I, I, I do because I don't think my heart would let me sleep if I didn't. 
That's amazing. I mean, you do so much and a lot of things that I actually learned from you from watching your documentary, Wicked Eden, out now. Um, check it out. You can rent it on YouTube, which I did. And that was the first time I rented something on YouTube. So I was like, whoa, this is so cool. <laughs> I, I will tell, I'll tell you, I had no idea that you could rent movies on YouTube. Um, Me too. I you know, I, I I didn't know a lot about the distribution until like two days before it was being released. Oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like one one of one of the harder things about being being the subject of a documentary versus being you know your own content creator is like when you're your own content creator, you have complete control over everything, and you know where all your stuff is and where it lives, and you know where it's going to go. And when you're when you're the something mainstream, like you don't have much control over anything and, and like the distribution companies and stuff. Like I, I didn't even see the DVD that was coming out until I had to order it myself. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 So one of, one, of the, one of the biggest things is people were like, like, Oh my God, you're so famous now. And I'm like, I make no money off of this thing. Like I did this literally to help break down stigma and sex work. I wish I would make money off of it. That'd be great. But um, yeah. yeah, I it was mean, a project. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely get into the project um, pretty soon too. And and if anyone is is interested, and I'll probably plug these links in the show notes below. You can rent uh, Wicked Eden on YouTube, on uh, Apple as well, and Google Play. So those are and, as well as, and, and Amazon Prime as well. And Amazon Prime, yes. I was like, where else? I'm missing another one too. Um, yes, all of those options will be in the show notes below. So highly recommend watching. It's a an easy. 1.5 hours to watch also highly educational and just again transparent informative I will I, I can continue gushing but we can talk about that in a little bit as well too but um of course viewers viewers and listeners are also interested in terms of like your origin story uh, everyone's always interested in that um I'd love to hear how you got into sex work and I'm sure my audience would be curious about that as well um, so I'm, I, I started in sex work as a stripper. Uh, so just, just, just like you, um, I believe it or not, um, I, I, I was a, a classic, a classical dancer, but I did a lot of classic dance styles like jazz and, um, and belly dance and, um, like fusion dance and stuff like this. And I, I found myself, um, in between, uh, school, like school and career that I really wanted to do, which I was, I, I was going for, um, I had a couple of IT certifications, but I didn't have enough to get to the career that I really wanted to yet. And, and school is expensive. So I went to a, um, an amateur night that had a $500 prize in Baltimore. And I want to tell you now that I had never worn a pair of high heels in my life. Like I, I am, I believe it or not, I'm not um, was not a girly girl and I'm really not still a girly girl. Um, <laughs> I say here is I'm sitting here like in a, in a onesie. Um, and I, I'm like telling my, my, my friend worked at the same club, uh, not a dancer, but was, a um, ortho gay P lounge and was like, you know, I've seen you belly dance. You'll be great. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I've never taken my clothes off when I'm dancing. So I don't know how that's going to work. And he's like, Listen, just, you know, do like one of your routines and, you know, like take your, take your clothes off during it. And, you know, $500 was a lot of money at that time because this is what, 18, 19 years ago. And uh, I, I did, I went up and I like wore a whole belly dance outfit. I had no shoes, no nothing. And, um, and I think I danced to Sting's Desert Rose that was really in at the time. And I even forgot that I was supposed to take off clothing until like the last 30 seconds. Oh my gosh. Um, 
And I also never danced on a stage where there were poles before. So, I was, and there were two of them. There were these two, um, like two story poles. This was at the the Hustler Club in Baltimore, which is you know very ritzy. And <laughs> I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with these things? They're in the middle of my stage, you know. Um, so I just kind of like went in my zone, and then in the last thirty seconds, took my took my top off, and then like. The music went down and I looked down and the stage was covered in money. And I was like, oh, my God, I've never seen this before. And then <laughs> there was standing applause. Like I have never to this day, other than, than doing feature shows, I've never seen standing applause in a strip club. Wow. And, uh, and I was like, oh, God, is this bad? I don't know what this means. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know the rules here. No, somebody tell me. And uh they the basically the like bouncer came over, he's like sweeping up the money into a bucket and I'm going, No, did you but that's mine? Excuse me, excuse me, like I earned that. <laughs> and he's like, No, no, don't worry, it's yours, it's yours, I'm gonna give it to you. Um I mean like when I say like I've never even been in a strip club before. Oh you know, my so gosh, classic. I, I love you, but you're really warm. Um and uh the owner of the club comes up and I didn't know this, but um he was actually one of the shareholders in the in the Hustler Corporation oh, because nice. they had just open this club okay yep and uh and he was like he's like that was great um are you ready to work and i was like and i was like what <laughs> what um, i'm just i'm just here for the for the 500 dollars. did i win and he goes oh yeah you won uh <laughs> come come to my office we'll get you paid out and uh he's like and we can get you started and i'm going start what you know? <laughs> confusion um, all around <laughs> and i did and so he comes in and he goes He's like, you know, the the purpose of the contest is we hire the person who wins each week. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I have no idea how to be a stripper. I don't know if you noticed, but like, I'm still not wearing shoes, right? Like, I'm walking around the strip club barefoot. And uh, he's like, he's like, well, um, I tell you what, why don't you just start, uh, start tonight, try it out, and see how it goes. And if you, if you don't like it, you know, great. Uh, you know, you never have to come back, but if you do like it, you know, then maybe you can, uh, we can work for a little while. He takes me down to the little hustler store that was part of the club to buy me a pair of shoes, which I promptly took off because I could not walk in them. <laughs> and then, um, I literally like the first night I just kind of wandered around and I was like, hi, um, do you want to, do you want to do a champagne room? Because that was the other thing is he walked me around the club. And he goes, so these are table dances and here are, you know, private dances and here are champagne rooms. And of course, I asked the question that most men ask, which is what goes on in the champagne room? Right. And, <laughs> and he goes, nothing. It's basically like they just get to have, you know, long, a longer amount of time with you. Mm -hmm. um, but all the dances are essentially the same. And I said, OK, so it's $10 for a table dance. And then it's $25. This is the time because, you know, this is before and all our inflation, $25 yeah. for a couch, for like a, a couch dance back there. And it's $300 and a half an hour for a champagne or $400 half an hour for a champagne room. And I'm like, they're like doing the math. I'm like, why would I sell the other ones? Yeah. Why would I just not sell champagne rooms? And he goes, you're real smart, aren't you? You're real smart for, for, for a dancer. And I'm looking at him like, this is basic math, my dude. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not telling you anything like fun. Right. So my first night I came home with like $1,500. And Amazing. it was the most money I'd ever seen in my life. And, wow. uh, yep. And, uh, over the course of the, like the next couple of years that, that 
gave me entry into the world of professional domination. I was already kinky, but like I never put two and two together that um, there was an entire profession that I could excel at. And I danced for probably three and a half, almost four years. Um, I did feature dancing. I, I featured for, for Hustler for a while. I did like the circuits and stuff in Vegas and I used all my all my money of dancing to bankroll my dungeon. My yes. Time. Yeah. So, okay. So how, like, what was the introduction um, into Femdom and, and the whole like fetish scene and also like just BDSM? Like how did you get involved or introduced to that? I'm not sure that I could tell you an honest answer, but I can tell you because uh, I'm because I don't know that I even remember. I was I was so young. Um, I do know that like I started in AOL chat room days of oh being, wow back in the being day. underage and being like and like saucy typing with you know like other people <laughs> in role playing chats. Um, and my first girlfriend had got uh, gave me a book called uh, Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns, and she was like, "I think you're a mistress," and I was like. I don't know what you're talking about. Go do your fucking homework. And, <laughs> and so I don't know. I, uh, I think that, um, that probably all came along with it. Certainly my, my interest in, in the world of professional domination developed in a developed all, like my interest in kink and fetishes, um, uh, very differently than it would have been if I had stayed just a lifestyler. Wow. Okay. 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 So many questions here. So, okay. All right. So like, Yes, you used your money that you had acquired from dancing to open up your dungeon and you opened up that dungeon with your ex-husband and that's what we saw in the documentary. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that space looked massive. It, it was a 2,400 square feet, which is really big for a dungeon. For a dungeon, yeah. Um, I would say that uh, it, it took it took years before um, uh, the the place looked like you would see with like you saw it in the the documentary um and even then i was never really happy with that because my my ex um basically just wouldn't allow me to do the things that i wanted to do with it and uh and which is why i can't wait for this new one because it's going to be everything i've always wanted yes yes Yes. we'll definitely discuss that at near the end of the show too but maybe we'll kind of back it up and back it up uh for those who are not familiar with what femdom is do you have a specific defini- definition of how you would describe what femdom is for those who might not know what it is? Um, so fem- femdom is is str- strictly speaking just the woman in the dominant role, in the dominant position. And um, femdom has kind of classically been described as like uh, as the like dominatrix role, which is you know, like a woman wearing leather and boots and with the, with the whip and things like that. Um, has really changed over time to now understand that like femdom kind of just describes a woman who is, uh, who is, um, is focused on her pleasure and her power first, rather than the kind of, um, old patriarchal way that, that men's pleasure comes first. And, and so this is not to say that, that, that the male, like male pleasure or, you know, your submissive pleasure isn't, isn't important and valid. It's just not more important than yours. And that's kind of the defining difference. I love that definition. Yeah, because it's been a while since we've had an episode on this. So um, for those who are wanting to get into doming, because we've had so many questions about that in the past, like, do you have to be – because I know there's so many different types, as you mentioned, like, it's really evolved over some time. Um, I feel like a lot of people would 
subscribe to that stereotype that you just mentioned of like the the latex wearing you have to be super aggressive and whatnot like how would you describe your own style when it comes to doming and is that something that was pretty innate to you prior to oh, yeah <laughs> uh, I have, I, i've gone through numerous um evolutions from for myself and i i too subscribe to the like the cold austere you know ice queen of a, of a dominatrix when i first started which is actually where my my like the last name of snow came from oh um, there we go and actually, believe it or not, I started when I danced. My name was Sahara Snow, which was uh, my favorite Angoon song at the time. And uh, and so they told me that Sahara Snow sounded too much like a stripper. And when I became a dom that I had to pick a different name. And I was like, well, that's stupid. But I like being a stripper. Um, <laughs> uh, again, you know, it was, it was a long time ago. We, we, we would think differently now. But anyway, um, <laughs> Yeah, my, my style has definitely changed. And I and I think that, that that's that's honestly true of, of everywhere in sex work is that as you grow and as you evolve, you know, your brand and your style evolves and grows. Um and I would say that now I am much more of a like a psychological, um, you know, uh, like thrill kind of person. I do a lot of sensual domination, I do a lot of immersive bondage, I like psychodramas. Um I, I, you know, I, I do all the traditional stuff too, but like, I'm not a sadist by nature, um, unless it's a psychological sadist. Um, I'm much more of the, like, I'm going to, I'm going to pry you open and, and find every little dark corner of your mind. And then I'm going to figure out how to make you better and happier and, you know, um, you know, like more, more, more yourself. Like I'm, I'm really into using, uh, BDSM and, and especially the, like the DS dynamic to help people to become their best selves. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people don't actually discuss that a lot or like maybe they like glaze over that fact. But I really like that you elevate that. It's it's such a different uh, refreshing perspective that we don't often hear about. for yourself, and, and, and to be fair, I when I was when I was younger, I I I did not have the experience nor the skill set to be able to do that, you know. And then and like um, I I think we all too often focus on like the intersection between sex work and being a therapist, and mm. I don't want to perpetuate that that notion. I'm but I am simply saying that like I do use my particular role and my background in psychology to do some of those things that are therapeutic, but still not being a therapist. I don't, we're not a substitute for therapy. No, we're not. And I feel like sometimes a lot of clients might think that we are, and it's a lot of emotional labor. It's a lot of emotional work um, for sex workers to take on. So clients listening out there, because I know there's a lot of you listening as well. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> don't expect that to go see a professional therapist. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I think, I think the defining fi- kind of one of the defining pieces, at least of, um, of BDSM is that BDSM requires you to have a lot of personal autonomy in being able to address your own limits, to address your own needs, um, to understand what your, your fetishes and your kinks are. And that goes hand in hand with your, with personal autonomy in your life, which means that if you're, if you're owning where your, where your own boundaries and needs and things are in your in your sex life, you tend to do a lot of it, you know, in in the regular world too. Right. I mean, was that something that drew you to this lifestyle in terms of like the personal autonomy piece, like um, just bettering yourself, also like knowing what your boundaries are and whatnot, or like was that not even part of the equation? I don't know if that, that necessarily drew me, but I definitely think it kept me here. Mm, for yeah, especially like seventeen years in. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I very much like that. Um, at, at this part of my of my life, I, I get paid to tell people exactly what I think about them. <laughs> the I don't best. have to lie to anybody anymore. No. You know? <laughs> I mean, going into the documentary, Wicked Eden, how did this whole project materialize? Because you're the star of of the documentary and it is a documentary that kind of goes into like the behind the scenes um, as in terms of like your work as a dominatrix also follows a group of women that you help mentor as well um, in the documentary, which I thought was really, really cool too, just to see um, different, I guess, phases or different parts uh, where people are at with their dominatrix journey. Um, like how did you get approached to be in this or like how, how did this whole thing come about? Um, so this is certainly not the first time that I'd, I'd been approached. In fact, I've, I've probably turned away four or five different mainstream projects. Um, and, and it's usually because, you know, the mainstream media loves to, loves to paint us as circus animals, you know, like they, they, they want to wear everything's for the sensational value and, and not really to see us as human beings. But this was the first project where I was approached by a, um, uh, a, basically a, a, a woman who did um, female empowerment pieces uh, and she's Canadian. Oh. And, and I just really liked, you know, really actually like the, most of the team is, um, is from Calgary. And, uh, and I just absolutely, um, you know, felt a sense of like commonality and I pushed, um, I said, okay, um, I like, I like your pitch and everything, but um, I'm not willing to do this project unless you give me veto power over any scene. I can't risk that um, that my story and anyone else that I might I might uh, bring to you, any of those stories could be taken out of context or it could be construed, you know, negatively. Right. And and I don't know how much you might know about documentaries. I certainly knew nothing going in. Um, that is unheard of for a subject to have any amount of editorial power over. Oh, wow. Um, absolutely none. Yeah. In fact, they usually want to buy your life rights and, and the rights to your story. And oh. that was another thing that that, uh, that my producer fought to not have happen. Good. So they, she said, nope, absolutely. You get you can veto powder. We're going to make you co-executive producer. I was like, I don't know anything about making a documentary, but, <laughs> but I'll take the veto power, you know? That's awesome. And, um, and that was it. And so, you know, like I didn't have... I, I didn't I had you know no input in like the artistic direction and things like that, but um I did get to go, yes, that's that's a good direction. That's not a good direction for the narratives and stuff. And uh, that's why I said yes. Awesome. I mean, yeah, because I had just watched it um last night, which was really cool. And so it's really nice and fresh in my mind as well. But there were a lot of things that you had addressed in the show on the show, on the documentary, and I just and I'm glad now it does show now that yes, you had some veto powder power there because like it wasn't glamorized for once. And you know, yeah, as we've seen before in mainstream media, sex work is always just sensationalized, always like painted as like, okay, we can make tons of money. But there was always like a but <laughs> when you were speaking with some of the other um femdoms that were featured in the documentary as well. Like I, I like that conversation that you had. I think her name was Ray Raven. It's uh, Raven Rose. She she's yeah. actually um, she's changed her name back to Ryan. So she's oh, by Ryan now. Gotcha. Um, I just like that piece that you're talking about too, because I can really resonate with this. But 
um, you were saying something about like, you know, there might be situations where people will ask you to do things that might question your morals or your boundaries and you're just like, do not do that. Do not give in to that. Um, and I feel like a lot of us uh, listening can probably resonate with that because I've been in those situations, especially when I was like a, a young sugar baby, being tempted with money, being flashed around in your face. And you're like, well, if I just do this, like it's more money. But then at what cost, you know? And, and honestly, that, that, it's a bit of a slippery slope too, because it's not just your ethics. You, you know, like I'm, I'm going to tell you as, as this, the 17 year old veteran, uh, or, you know, 17 year veteran rather, um, but, uh, um, it, it also creates a hustle culture that can be somewhat toxic too. And it's not just the thing, like the, the idea of like what we do for money, it's not just the things that, that violate our boundaries. Sometimes they violate our health too. And, you know, adopting a more, um, holistic approach of like, what's good for me now, what's also going to be good for me later. And what things am I, what kind of life am I creating for myself is just, it's very powerful. But like the first one is, you know, don't, don't sell a piece of your soul. Just don't do it. Like your soul's not for sale. Your, your, your labor and your expertise and your performance and, you know, your ingenuity, those are all things that, that you can sell, but not your soul, not you. You're, you're never, you never are. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, and that this kind of goes with any form of sex work out there, not just if you're in, in the doming scene, but like anyone listening out there, there we can, there, money is around us everywhere, <laughs> um, especially in this industry. So I think it was really key for you to say that. Um, I also really liked what you were kind of talking about, like relationships uh, with family and I think your your sister was also um, interviewed stepsister was interviewed for that for a portion of the documentary as well which I thought was really really touching and how she viewed you as like a mother figure growing up like I didn't expect to see um, this in the documentary so it was really cool to to kind of see that side as well um, yeah. I, when the documentary came out, I actually posted about it on my on my Facebook, and this was the first time that I had uh, really like most most people who know me well obviously know what I do, and I'm not um since the documentary I've been pretty open about it, but I hadn't talked about it to like the other parts of my family or any of that stuff, and uh, and I was a little nervous about the the reception, and honestly it was it was great, and I, I think. Um, one of the things that bothers me the most is about how much shame we often feel as sex workers because the stigma and you know, the marginalization that we face. And one of the ways that we make that better is by being brave. Yeah. And, and, and really being brave about it because um, like it used to be dangerous to be gay. And the only way that got better was by people being brave enough to, to, to fight it. So, you know, um, when, when I told my sister about the project, she was, I was like, you know, I'm, if you don't feel comfortable with it or whatever, and she was like, no, absolutely. I'm going to do it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so proud of you. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I look up to you all the time and this is important and sex work is work and, and there are people and we're not, I'm, there's no questions asked. Let's do it. I love so, that. That's felt great. Yeah. It's so nice to get that support because, you know, sometimes and a lot of us won't don't actually have that support available. Um, how, how like when you did post that on Facebook, you said the reception was generally received in a positive light. It, it, it was. And I, oh, I, yeah. I thought 
I thought for certain that I was going to get, you know, people who were like, oh, yeah, you dumb whore, you know, you whatever, whatever. And maybe it's because over the last um, the six years of the project, doing the project really shaped a lot of my um, like my own sense of validation. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't allowing people to stick around in my life that, that I knew secretly felt that way about me. Um, but the other part of it was, is that I just presented it in such a way that I was proud of it. And it leaves people to have to, to honestly do the same. And I think that, um, the way that we view our own relationships with our work has a lot to do with how we portray them to other people. So if you come out and you're like, absolutely, I do this. I love what I do. I make great money. Um, I'm, I'm happy for the life that it gives me. What room do we give them to disagree with us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But if you come out and you're like, you're like, I just want to let you know that I secretly take my clothes off on the internet. Please don't be mad at me. Then that leaves room for people to disapprove and to, to feel shame about it. So, you know, just something to keep in mind. Yeah. No, you. that's a really great point too. Like that, I know people might have heard of my ongoing battle, not a battle, but like challenges with um, talking to my mom about sex work and also like tiptoeing around the, the subject, even though I've been like, hey, like I got – this and this and all these milestones, but also she's like super religious <laughs> and um, very Filipino in that way and mm-hmm. has many <laughs> opinions about what sex work is. But like um, that – I actually go through a similar kind of uh, stance in terms of like, well, this is what I what's what I do and this is what why I'm really proud of what I do and these are my achievements and I would have never gotten here without um, doing something like this. So – even though she doesn't really know to the full extent of what I do, like she knows um, some of my great achievements that have materialized from the show. And you just have to kind of stand behind it and be proud about that. So, Absolutely. And, and um, I, I think uh, Des, who's my my assistant turned um, aide de camp, as I call them, <laughs> um, which I mean, if you, you know, for the aide de camp is the, is, is the general's like second in command yes. in an army. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, is uh, does says that um, people tend to look much more favorably on your on what you do if you're doing well for yourself, even if they don't necessarily understand. And I think that that's also very true. Is that um, you know, like if we look like we're upstanding members of society, then they kind of have to treat us that way. I am on that topic very very glad to see that sex workers are being into a mass wealth because on on that level they can't ignore us forever and <laughs> it's true. you know and so we're coming for you politicians <laughs> you're next <laughs> you're next I have all your dirty secrets I know what you like I know what you like in your buttholes too <laughs> it's so true though it's you're so like- true. <laughs> I mean, go, going back to the documentary as well, um, did you have a say in terms of like um, what was going to be discussed in the documentary or is that the other producers in terms of like, we're going to be talking about boundaries, we're going to be talking about like behind the scenes, how to manage relationships, um, we're going to be talking about like how to deal with problematic clients, like is this something that you they had consulted you with or is this something that the producers um, were like, okay, this is the way it's going to go? Um, I required them to to give me the list of questions with every single interview, mm-hmm. and I would and there were there there were not it was not often but there were a couple of times that I was like nope not talking about that no I think that's silly, um, but I I didn't I didn't like 
micromanage what the questions are about or the directions. Um, I at first it was hard because a lot of the questions were very vulnerable and yeah. um, and I was very guarded with my with you know my answers. But um, I will say we filmed. I think there's twenty five hundred hours of footage. Oh wow! There, there is an, there is enough, honestly, that was filmed for the documentary to do an entire mini series or or two more documentaries, honestly, and um, wow. and that was because there were just so many different pieces and parts, and um, the editing took a long time because they were trying to figure out what was the best narrative. So there are tons of different interviews, and there's a lot of other people that were interviewed for this thing that just didn't make it into the doc. There was like lots of other amazing professionals and you know and, and events and stuff like that too. So I'm, I'm hoping that maybe one day we'll have like a, like they'll do some kind of like mini series or like Netflix will pick it up or. Yeah. That would be really cool and really good for exposure. I mean, it's already shot. So might as well try to utilize the content that's already there. Right. Right. Exactly. Speak, spoken like a true content creator. <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm, I'm at, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm stopped counting now that I'm over 3000. Like I feel like 3000 is like, like. That's the that's my limit. I continue obviously to keep making videos, but not counting anymore. Um, <laughs> three three thousand of my own uh, personally produced videos, and man, I'm like, this is more than like the longest running soap opera in history. <laughs> I really get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, going into General that- Hospital, but to General Dominatrix, <laughs> and a lot of people would watch that though. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the next thing is we'll just do a soap opera, but it's a dungeon soap opera. (laughs) (laughs) As the cross turns. Well, you know, that's actually a good transition point, too, because I would love to chat about your new dungeon, the new Wicked Eden that is coming. Because, um, yeah, I had read that um, the Wicked Collective, I guess you were were, – you were, I don't know if you still are, mentoring other doms in the space. Um, but I know that you took a break from that to kind of focus on your new, your newest project, which is the new Wicked mm-hmm. Eden. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I learned a lot of valuable lessons, honestly, in doing the collective. And um, I, I'm, I, won't, I won't go in, into the sort of details, but I will say that, especially for, for sex workers, shut up, Alexa. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, I will say that for other, other sex workers who are considering mentoring, um, or, you know, cause it's a, um, it, it is a very attractive thing to do is that, um, mentoring is exhausting. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's very exhausting. And, um, and you often feel personally responsible for the success of the person that you're mentoring and they may or may not be motivated, um, the same way that you are. So, you know, like it's just kind of something to keep in mind. I, I kind of just made a lot of changes to the system that of, of education that I do and realized that the collective model was awesome and I'm glad that I did it. It was fairly idealistic um, to make it sustainable. Mm. So, uh, and the pandemic played a bit, really big role in that, to be honest. Right. Um, but in my new space, uh, I've been trying to buy my own building for quite some time and um, uh Buying commercial property is about a hundred times harder than it is to buy a res- residential property. Wow! Um, especially in the United States, and I was able to—gosh, knock on wood—I was able to get an SBA five hundred four loan, 
and um, you're Canadian, so I don't know how much you, you understand about like SBA loans, but no, they are. Tell us. <laughs> okay, so the S- SBA is a small business um, um, uh, association, yeah, small administration association, one of those two, whatever. It's a government <laughs> entity that is supposed to give funding and support and whatnot to small businesses. In reality, they take a lot of the tax dollars that they get and they. Um, are and they kind of hoard it about who they're going to give it to, and it is incredibly difficult to receive. Um, uh, SBA 504 is, is is commercial real estate. It's incredibly difficult to receive them. In fact, the like applying they the um, a number of loan applicants that make it through the process is less than twenty five percent, and I think it's something like actually twenty percent less than five percent of the people who make it through are women or minorities. Oh my gosh. Right. And on top of that, so that those are the whole numbers. I am the only sex worker I've ever met who was able to get a commercial building and an SBA loan. Right. And, and so I like, I have goosebumps on honestly, just thinking about it because at every turn I was like, I was like, they're going to find out I'm a whore, you know, like I was like, they're, they're going to find out that it's all dirty hoe money, you know? And I am, I, I've done a lot of work of not just legitimizing my business, but playing by all of the old white men rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like I couldn't believe it had happened. And and then I, I had to leverage a lot to buy it. Like it's, it was a very expensive place and the build out is very expensive. Right. Um, it will be utterly magnificent when it's done. Yeah. I, I, it's going to be it's 6,000 square feet. That's enormous. It is. Um, and <laughs> ha- half of the space is going to end up being um, like what we would consider to be like dungeon kind of rooms, but they're not going to be traditional dungeon ro- dungeon rooms. Each of the rooms are soundproof so that you can film in them. Nice. They're all going to have individual um, like designs and aesthetics uh, and like not traditional dungeon aesthetics. Like one of them is going to be a library, for example. Cool. Right. Uh, awesome. I'm, I'm hoping to have, have hidden um, bookcases that have like doors behind them and stuff, but we'll oh see if that God, we get there. That, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> and so the, then also part of that space um, is going to have an overnight suite with, um, that has its own like own beautiful shower and bathroom and there's a kitchen. And then there's a big um, place that's going to be like a community area to, to hang out or, and it's also going to be a classroom to do classes. Then the other side of the space is a production studio and event space. So we're going to do everything from having really cool dance parties, like cool queer, you know, sex worker dance parties um, and and like performances and like cool burner style events. Um, And as well as being able to do our own in-house production for other people as well as like for ourselves. So so I can finally build in the alien sci-fi set that I've always wanted to. And I don't have to worry about it being part of my dungeon, you know. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. And so the big thing is that for, for other sex workers is like there's not many places where you can just go and rent a place to go film, for example, mm-hmm. my place, you'll be able to fly in. You could stay there if you wanted, cause there's an actual like overnight suite. Yeah. Um, and you can get everything from like, have all the lighting, have the rooms to yourself. You can, you know, bring in extra talent and then you can also hire us to help coach you and um, work with you on, on creating the things that you want to create. So I want to make it so that I'm giving the utmost support to people who are making content as well as learning how to, you know, practice BDSM and do stuff like that because we're also going to have obviously uh, rental rooms for for other professionals too. Holy crap. This is amazing. Yeah. This is all under the same roof. Like, are you, you kidding me? 
Yeah. Hey, dream big, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, congratulations. Like that is huge. And I'm so glad that you're going to be crafting something that is like something you really want to do and something that you've always envisioned, you know, like it's so cool to see that materialize and come to life. Um, So exciting. I mean, I love one that you're creating a space for sex workers to go to because, you know, I film my space and I'm like, I'm really tired of this angle and I'm really tired of this being in my background, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. I got to like film in hotels and stuff sometimes and it's just like I need to mix it up and I wish we had spaces like that here in Vancouver. So I think that's such an awesome idea and just like accessibility for sex workers to go in there and shoot their content and and chill. It's not like it's not like it's not like being in like a hotel or an Airbnb where you're like, oh my god, I hope they don't find out yeah. or like your Airbnb host doesn't like recognize the place. And it's really like, account. yeah, it's it's really like no, you like you're you, not only are you welcome here, you belong here, and I and I want to see more of that happen in the world. Love that. I, yeah, I was going to ask you earlier, I'm like, what can we expect? But you just went down the entire list. And I'm just like, it just keeps going and just keeps going. And I was like, wow, this is freaking awesome. <laughs> well, huge congrats. I am. Um, I, I, I've only had a, a lot of these years of, of things that I really wanted to see happen. And I was, and it kind of kept dawning on me. I was like, well, if these things don't exist, then I guess it's up to you to make them exist. To create it, exactly. So, you yeah. see that there's a gap in, in the industry and you're like, okay, well, now like I'm going to fill that gap and create something for that. So that's really cool. Like when I, do we expect this you. to be done? Um, oh, that is a complicated question. Um, <laughs> I, 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 will, I will say that, that the entire process is – so enormously expensive that um, I we are we are now to the point where we're we're going to have to start doing some much heavier fundraising efforts because it's uh, like the rising cost of construction meant that I already had to get a loan increase so I'm already pretty le- pretty hard leveraged on it um, and we're su- the construction is supposed to be done around March oh, um, wow. and so hopefully we'll be able to move in and do all that stuff and be able to start doing events um, as soon as possible in the spring mm-hmm. but. Um, I'm, I'm going to start having to lean pretty heavy, heavily on the community because yeah. like it, like when I, when I say everything has gotten more expensive, I was originally quoted say $15,000 for the security fencing that was going to go around the building. We have a, the building is massive, but we also have a huge parking lot. We have like 32 parking spaces. Oh, wow. Right? Um, is that I was originally quoted $15,000 for the, for the fencing. And I just got the quote last week for the updated one. It's $30,000. So everything wow. is just. It's just like, you know, kind of spiraling out of control. And so I'm like, all right, well, we're just going to have to, we're going to hang in there. We're going to try to make it work. So I have, I know that it will work. I have utter faith. The next six months are going to be hell. I just know it. Oh my gosh. I mean, I hear you with the rising cost of everything. I'm getting married in May and like. Oh, geez. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, such timing. Like the food has gone up like 30% and then like. Oh, the transportation went up as well. Mm-hmm. We're providing transportation for our guests, and that's gone up too because of gas and everything. I was like, "Oh, great! Like things I didn't really want to pay more money for. Now I have to obviously pay it." <laughs> but um, I hear so you. True. It's everything's really yeah. expensive right now. So, like anything that we can do, my listeners can help. Please let us know when we can plug all the things at the end of the show. Sure, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. I love. Um, the business model that you're creating there as well. Like so many different kinds of revenue can come from that as well. Like with the, the rental space, the parties, the different rooms, the overnight suite, like my God, a one-stop shop. And <laughs> this is- and, and I hope, Hopefully you'll get to come out for the grand opening. I, I won't uh, coincide too much with your wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's all good. But this is in Columbus as well? It's in Columbus, yep. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're going to have to definitely keep us posted on that. I cannot wait to see. I will. Don't worry. Pictures of the space and everything, a video tour. I'm sure listeners are getting super excited about that. But yeah. Um, fingers crossed at least. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Well, we'll, we'll get through there. I know it's going to be definitely a, a struggle, but also a mad push over the next six months. So best yep. of luck to you. <laughs> there are a number of questions that did come in from your fans. So I feel like we should probably go into that. It's probably that time of the show. Um, yeah. A lot of these came in from Twitter. So we'll just jump right into it. So the first one is, what are some techniques you use to get into a dominant headspace? Um, the the techniques that I that I specifically use is I use a lot of ritual. Um, so you know, creating um, space for myself to change gears. You know, um, like when I'm getting ready for a session or I'm reading, getting ready to film or any of those things, I don't just like change from the whatever random thing I was doing and now I have to do this thing. And it's like I create space for myself to like take a moment to get dressed to like you know think about and plan out the thing that I'm going to do. And the ritual of um, having that that space allows me to also affect my you know my own headspace. Um, this is kind of like a, a bit true is like, um, um, a lot of, a lot of submissive men, uh, think that like they're, they become horny and their desire to become submissive happens instantaneously. They're like, my dick is hard. And now I really want you to, to like dominate me. And they don't realize that, um, it's not the same thing in the dominant headspace. Like there has to be some time, some prep, you know, mm-hmm. some like needing to get, you know, um, get ready for it. And, you know, it's also, it's like, you know, you, it's not a dick emergency. You can wait. I'm, I'll, <laughs> I'll be with you in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Just hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the same person wrote in, what is the best life advice you've ever received? I don't know that I could, I could have one one piece of life advice other than uh, you know wear wear your sunscreen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I would say that I've gotten I've gotten lots of different life advice in different times in my life that it was really that was really important. Um, I think the thing that was the most monumental for me was um, learning how to. Uh, address my own healing and my own traumas and my own mental health. Um, in, and was giving a lot, gave me able to get like all the tools to do that. Um, I, I went through EMDR a number of years ago and that's a specific type of treatment for, for trauma, for PTSD. And it, it absolutely changed my life. And I would not have done that if someone had not given me, um, like some advice on like, if if traditional therapy is are not giving you all the things that you need, maybe try some other things as well. So I guess that was that was probably the most important one in, in recent years. Love that, love that. Um, if there was one song you had to listen to for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Um, I could not listen to just one song, but I <laughs> I, I do have a number of playlists. And I couldn't listen to the to, to one song for the rest of my life. No. You know why? Why? Because because uh, I'm I I I get too bored with things too fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do have playlists for every every rhyme and reason, and um, I I don't know. Like I like I like to listen to new things and and then play old things later after I haven't worn them out. 
a million times. I don't blame you with that. I'm the same way. Like I get into the phases where like, okay, I'm just going to listen to the same song for like a week. But then I just need to mix it up a little bit and then get obsessed with something new. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's almost like it's almost like you kind of wear it out. Yeah. It's very cyclical. <laughs> um, were there any scenes shot for the documentary that didn't make the cut that she wishes had? Um, uh, like I said, there's like 2,500 hours or something like this worth of footage. Um, so I haven't seen all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do hope at some point um, they're, you know, like that we're able to do something with all the extra footage. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so too. That would be awesome because – yeah, there, there was a lot of great information, great nuggets that were shot for the documentary. And I think it was just a great job. Everyone should go watch it, by the way. <laughs> Link in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, any advice on how people can oppose bills like FOSTA-SESTA? Um, the, the political landscape of, of um, sex work and, and like legalities and stuff is really complicated. And so I will just say that um, that the best thing that you can do is to raise awareness, generally speaking, in your own communities and speak up um, when you can, because uh, politicians follow crowd mentality. And so if, uh, if there is a general feeling of of support towards sex work then there will be less anti-sex work bills um that 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 is the thing that that almost everyone can do i will say that if you want to do more targeted things then it it's about harassing politicians writing petitions um you know throwing money at it getting into you know and more actors and work at some point um i'm going to move into political lobbying you know with all of my five minutes of spare time that i do and (laughs) As I had the same thing of like, okay, how do I actually make a difference? So, you know, lobbying lobbying is a definitely a really important thing too. Totally. Yeah, it just depends on how much you want to get involved with your activism. So, yeah. Um, because it, at the time of recording, it is three days before uh, – two days. Sorry. Oh, my God. It's just 23rd today. It is two days before <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, what day is it today? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, Die Hard is the best Christmas movie. <laughs> I, I I really I really wish that um, J.K. Rowling wasn't such a such a fucking turf because I, I also think that that Harry Potter is a great a great Christmas movie is um, agreed very bingeable yeah I know I'm I'm so sad about the whole situation because like I grew up reading those books and then like for her to make like slandering comments about trans people and like other problematic comments I'm like no. No, I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a little, it's a little bit of how I feel about my, my, I have, I have a, a number of pairs of Yeezys, um, is that you can separate the artist from the art, mm-hmm. um, because my shoes are really comfortable, but fuck Kanye. So, you know, <laughs> like it's kind of the same thing. It's like, I can still love those stories and also fuck JK Rowling. There you go. You know, we're, com- we're you know, we're, we're complex humans. We're allowed to hold both things simultaneously. Correct. <laughs> um, this one came from Instagram. Has there been any confusion when doming a person, like feelings that came before, after, or during a session? Um, I mean, I would say that like there's lots of complex feelings that that come out. Um, certainly, people need uh, like ther- BDSM can be very therapeutic. Sessions can be very therapeutic, and so you know, being able to have a safe space to move through your feelings, um, you know, can be a lot, very overwhelming, and you'll feel a lot of things that you you know may not may not be as prepared to feel. 
And then afterwards, you know, um, as you're trying to make sense of them, those things can be confusing, but that's why you, you know, you, you, you don't look at sessions as therapy, you look at them as therapeutic and you're able to kind of process those things with, you know, with both, um, your partner and like, a um, excuse me, and a, and a professional as well as, you know, like being able to talk to the dom you're, you're, you're with and allow them to help make sense of things too. Yes. Correct. Last few questions here. Um, what is the biggest myth that people have about BDSM? The myth that people have had um, changes over time. And I think uh, it used to be that like BDSM was abuse. But we don't really hear that one anymore. I think the, the big thing that I hear is is not a, strictly around BDSM, but more about femdom. And people still, still I think, um, don't quite understand that uh, you know, gender roles are a huge part of how we view fantasies and fetishes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we create a lot of these things in response to like the things that are happening in our lives and the ways that we have been raised and our socialization and stuff like that. And so it's okay to like exercise some compassion with that. Um, I think, I think the biggest thing that like people have around BDSM is thinking that it is, it is all one way. And that's not true. Um, there's tons and tons and tons and tons of ways to do it right. Uh, and, and all of those things all kind of hinge around consent. Yes. Very, very important conversation for sure. Um, what is one thing that you absolutely love and hate about your work? Um, one of the things that, that I hate about my work is that, um, it has made it very easy for me to slip into being a compulsive workaholic mm -hmm. and I, I am a, I am a recovering, uh, compulsive workaholic, which is a, it is not a technical type of addiction the way that like, a um, chemical addictions are, but because of the, th the chemical things it does to your brain, it is actually a type of addiction. Um, and I, um, I've worked, you know, pretty hard at trying to establish work-life balance and stuff. I don't always, not always great. I fall off my wagon. Um, but I would say that I, I hate that we kind of have collectively created a, an industry that does not champion good work-life balance mm -hmm. so, and, and kind of teaching our fans and our clients that like they can access us at any time of day rather than, than some of the, like the boundaries that other industries have. Um, like, you know, like you don't call your doctor at 2am and be like, I'm, I, I need you right now. You realize that your doctor has hours. Right. So, you know, like I, th I would like to see that, uh, that change over time. Um, I think the, one of the very best parts about my job, it, it gives me not only like the freedom to, to forge my own path, but also some of the most amazing friendships and the most, um, uh, most amazing community that, that I could have ever dreamed. Yeah. Ditto to that. Like, it's been amazing. Like I just love our community. I'm always gushing about it. And there's so much great inclusivity um, and just welcoming aspects of the community and support and love. And I think that's – it's the best community I've ever been in. <laughs> oh, hand, hands down. I, I couldn't I could imagine another way. I Actually, I just got back from doing my second retreat for sex workers. Cool. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I do these retreats in like um, – in tropical places. And I was amazed that like I think – 75% of the people that are at the retreat, and this one was big, it was like 34 people, um, all came from the previous retreat. Awesome. Yeah. That's so, so freaking you know. cool. Yeah. Okay. You'll have to plug in what those retreats are later on right yeah. after this last question. <laughs> of course. Um, the last question is, and again from Twitter, um, what advice would you give to your younger self? 
Um, I think that the best advice I would give my younger self was that to embrace that I, I would grow and change and that when I felt like I, like that things were changing in my life to embrace that my brand would grow and change and not be like, I'm so worried about changing something. What if, um, you know, what if my fans don't buy my videos anymore? What if this, what if that, like, you know, I, I, I think we all worry too much about like what's going to sell. Thank you, Pandora, for purring into the microphone. Um, uh, um, I think we were all very worried about like, like the perception of like what's going to sell and what's not going to sell versus being like, actually, the more true you are to yourself and, and adopt that, like things will grow and change. They, your fans find you like they do, like they're, you know, like it's, it's good for them to watch you grow too. It's not going to, it's not going to affect your, your income the way you think it will. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have those kind of self-doubt um, when they're wanting to change something or try something new and stuff too. So yeah, that that very much rings true for sure. So yeah, the things that we would tell our younger selves. <laughs> like like the other one is, you know, when something no longer serves you, let it go. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Great sound advice for sure. And for those listening as well. But before we let you go, Alex, where can we find you? <laughs> Uh, so you can actually find everything that I do, uh, at followalexandra.com. This is kind of like my, my link aggregate. Um, alexandrasnow.com has, uh, has like more things with like more pictures and stuff, but, uh, uh, wickededen.com is my dungeon. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter because, you know, it's our last, last great bastion of, yes. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> Uh, and my, my username is Domino Snow on almost all the social media channels on TikTok and on Instagram and on Twitter and all that stuff, but especially on, on Twitter, it's Domino Snow. Awesome. All those links are in the show notes below. Uh, do you have any more upcoming retreats available or not quite yet announced? Um, I'm not planning absolutely anything until this building is open. <laughs> yeah, you know, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, but but I'm uh, I have been I've been asked to do to do multiple retreats a year. I'm doing just one, and I usually do them in November. Um, but you can actually join the mailing list at it's a wicked-retreats.com, and you can kind of see a little bit of, um, of what we do. And if you join the mailing list, I will give everyone on the mailing list um, like the first, first round of invites. Yeah, just understand that that you have to be a verified sex worker. Um, to, to be able to attend the retreats. And I do, you know, I do, do have to do rounds of verifications and stuff because I, I try to create a safe space for people to, you know, um, to be themselves. It's not for no, no civilians, no, except for partners. We, we do, we, we do allow partners to come, but you know, they have to be really cool and then you're responsible for your them. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Well, all those links are in the show notes below. So be sure to peep that if you're interested, go follow, like, share everything, subscribe, and buy all the videos as well <laughs> that's yeah. out there. I mean, on, honestly, if the the best if you're if you're a fan trying to get uh, to get to know me, my uh, my loyal fans, which is loyaltoher.com, is the very best place to get all the good stuff. Ooh, there we go. Okay, I'm plugging that in the links below as well. And for everyone else listening out there, it's new episodes every single Sunday, dropping at midnight Pacific Standard Time. Um, it's stripped by Sia on Twitter and Instagram, um, strippedbysia.com. 
Um, please like, share, um, and rate the show, review the show if you have time. Um, it's holidays, downtime. I'd love some reviews. Um, on Apple, um, give me five stars if you're really liking and enjoying the content. And if you want to see more, if you want to see um, Alex's beautiful cat, Pandora, and the funny video exclusive that we have here, then go become a patron at patreon.com slash stripped by Sia. And that's pretty much it. Um, happy holidays to you, Alex. It was such a pleasure Thank chatting you, with you today. Too. Thank you so much. And we'll catch everyone in for another episode next week. Thank you. You're listening to Stripped by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia, music by Ted D, graphic design by Maria Bellandarama, and photography by Ian Dabrin. Thank you.